Hello everyone, welcome to World of Anime. I am Stephanie, your host, and with me again, I have Ben. Hey everyone. So, this is our second episode of our weekly hype train. Woo! Sometimes literal trains. Yeah, we've got a lot of trains. There's multiple trains in these shows. There's the Steinsgate train. Well, that's really more of a Steinsgate, not Steinsgate Zero. Uh, then, yeah, there's multiple uh, Soma trains. There's lots of Soma trains. There's the subway in Persona. That's true. I mean, there probably is a train somewhere I mean, in My Hero Aka, but like... Yeah, when... They take um, a bus instead. When Ida gets up on the, uh, the rope during the uh, swim race and just like... Goes on it like a monorail. I mean, I Does guess that count as a train. <laughs> Maybe as close <laughs> as we can get. Um, yeah. So this week we'll be discussing episodes two from Shokugeki no Soma, Persona Five, My Hero Academia, and Steins Gate Zero. Buckle up, friends. We're getting ready. We're gonna do it, and it's gonna be great. All right. Are they gonna see it coming? What? Are they gonna see it coming? <laughs> when you say those you have to be louder because we can't okay. hear you i'm putting the mic right next to your face and i'm still so loud you must project weren't okay. you a theater child no no clearly not so first on our repertoire what do we want to talk about first want to go in reverse order let's go in reverse order uh so the, la- the, the last one that we watched on this time was Persona 5. The animation. Whoa. Whoa. It is. They need to say the animation because otherwise you might not know the difference. <laughs> it does draw a lot from the game, which is in some senses fine with me because so few of the things I watch are based on video games. But at the same time, it's not that uncommon for anime to be based on video games. So they seem to make very explicit reference in the animation a lot but okay so let's start this let's start each one of these off with a little bit of a synopsis so that we know it's so that we can you know refresh our minds and know what's going on so this episode begins where the last one ends which is our main character ren i'm still getting used to the name because in my playthrough his name was ben <laughs> And according to the subreddit, which I don't remember quite where they drew this from, I think it was a manga adaptation, but uh, the name for the protagonist was Akira, so I'm used to that as well. Not so used to Ren. That makes me think of Ren and Stimpy, or uh, I think of even Ren, Steven. I think of Ren from uh, Footloose. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of tracks, though. I mean, there is going to be a dancing game, yeah. so... You gotta cut loose! Um, anyway, so it opens with him releasing his persona and getting them out of this hopeless situation where they're stuck in this prison with Kamoshida, the evil volleyball uh, coach, which is a great thing to say, um, with the the shadow of the volleyball coach. And they manage to get out, and they escape, and they're late for school. And it kind of has a little moment of Ren going through school Dealing with all of his classmates being like, oh no, look at this criminal, he's in our class, oh boy. And like he and um, Sakamoto, Ryuji, Ryuji get closer and hang out with each other. And 
it's nice. I like to see them interact in a way that's not like me trying to get the best uh, reaction out of them while playing the game. So that's kind of nice. We got uh, our first introduction to a number of important characters. We saw his teacher, Kawakami, who comes up a lot later. Uh, we saw a tiny cameo of Makoto, who is also a main character uh, in the hallway. We also saw um, Igor and the prison guards. Well, we saw them last week. He did go oh, into the yes. velvet room. So, yeah, we, he bas he's slowly piecing together that he's getting sent to this velvet room, which for him is a prison, and Igor is telling him you need to do stuff to like re reverse your bad fate. And he, you know, is able to then jump into these, like, uh, worlds that are based on consciousness, I guess. Long story short, because Stephanie and I both played the game, uh, basically this just covers, like, hours three to four of Persona 5, the video game. And at least so far, that's probably going to be your best way of getting familiar with the stuff. It's, it's It can get a little bit... Hard to follow if you're not familiar. Basically, we learn a little bit more about Ryuji. We figure out just why Ren is on this probation in the first place. And, you know, you learn that he didn't actually do anything bad. He just got sure. stuck in a bad situation. And Ryuji, who also has this reputation of being a bad guy, also was seemingly just doing it out of self-defense. And you find out that the volleyball teacher has been, like, physically abusing the students and it's really bad, and they want to get revenge and save all their fellow students. So they go back into this crazy world after being in school and hanging out for a while, and then uh, they meet, they, they, they run into the shadow guy again, and he yells at them and tries to kill them. They also meet Morgana, who's a very important character, who's, who insists that he, she is not a cat, but is definitely a cat. It's also a boy cat. I don't know what... It's a boy cat. It's it's confusing. But he has his own persona and he starts telling them the ropes. Like in the game, Morgana tells you a little bit of how to control your persona and like what it is. So he kind of takes that same role in the show saying like, this is what you need to do. You have a persona. This is what this is. So, you know, still you're still learning the ropes. Um, I really... Oh, the fight scene was not as good as I wanted it to be. And like the last shot, like the finishing blow, they literally take the end animation from the fight and have like the cutaway. And it's just like, could you be lazier? Could you be lazier? They even had it, all it was missing to make it part of the game was like the stats screen to show you how many like experience points you got. It was like, come on. And they even had the suits of armor guys that were like Kamoshida's like, uh, minions. minions like turn into like the weird creatures like in the same way they do in the game it's just like I expected it to be represented a little bit more action-y because as it stands it was very in my opinion very obvious that it's almost Pokemon style combat of people summoning their personas just to do special attacks and stuff like that as opposed to like actual fighting this felt more like actual fighting rather than Pokemon. When you play the game, it feels like capture all the personas. I actually don't know if Ren is going to be using multiple personas. You do in the game because it would be boring if you only had one fighter character in the game because then it's just like you playing as a, as a character, whereas the idea of playing Persona 
is you are able to pull a number of different like mascots for you to fight on your behalf that have different stats and stuff. But like in a show, you don't need to really worry about stats so much. True. So I wonder if he is going, and the fact is he's supposed to be a real character now, not a player character. And if it's supposed to be reminiscent of him, then I do wonder if he's going to get other personas to play with. Right. Um, if he does, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how they do that. He's starting to get a little bit of a personality. Yeah. Basically, like a little bit of a goody two-shoes that is, um, I would say he's polite to the point of being cheeky. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Um, but for the most part, he's reactionary and pretty, like, feels like a spy. Yeah, which isn't necessarily too far off because in the original, in the, in the game, that's essentially what he was. He He was mostly... Spectating on things and not really interacting as much. Uh, because, again, he's more of a self-insert a little bit in the game. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to obviously keep watching to see how they continue to adapt it. I think this was better pacing-wise than the first episode. I still think it's a little fast at points and a little lack of explanation to make it like good. It's just like, it's trying to get you up to where that wants you to get to still. It still feels like they're trying to catch you up with where it's going to get good. So I'm in, I'm interested to see how they further uh, adapt the game because so far it seems like eh but they did ha- we did not see it coming when you never see it coming happened. Yeah. Which was in the battle scene and I did lose my mind and I did do a little dance um and start screaming just a little bit. Uh <laughs> We didn't see it coming. That's true. We didn't. Um, yeah, the opening was, meh. Now, this is the first time we've seen the opening. And it was meh. Yeah. Uh, they could have done so many more things with it. Instead, they, like, again, they use cutaways from, like, the save screens in the sh- in the in the game itself, which is just, it feels so lazy. It starts off pretty good. Like, I think the first half of it's pretty decent, and then it falls off pretty fast. Um... The ending is, it starts off almost okay, but then they do weird things with his hands and his pockets and his crouch, and then it just, like, flips over to being just like, oh, God, please make it stop. Make it stop. Yeah. It's it's a lot of, they're in a difficult position because the aesthetics in the game, from an interface and just animation perspective, are really iconic and really, really good. And they'd be remiss to just not use that but at the same time, I'm not sure how easy it would be to make new additions onto that style. So a lot of it is just lifting things directly. There were just some things that they just didn't need. All the crotches were so weird. And Ryuji's like bent over and you can't tell whose arms are whose and their weird noodles. It's just awful. It just, yeah. Like it was, it's, if it had just been like a, like a still image, it would have been boring but like and awful. But like this was uncomfortable. We were gross out looking at it. I'm not going to be able to continue to watch this ending every episode, mm. which is kind of unfortunate. But, you know, we'll keep watching it. Hopefully it doesn't get to the point where it's unwatchable. It's yeah. not as bad as Phoenix Wright. That's always important. <laughs> That's a very low bar to set, but it's it's made it past that yep. wrong. So we'll see if it continues. So, moving on to another video game adaptation. Moving on to, uh, before that, we just watched Steins Gate Zero Episode 2, which we talked a lot about. 
during and after the episode, so we gotta bring that all back. Um, that was also the first time we saw the opening for this show, which you had feelings about and I disagreed with you. Yeah, I just, I didn't love the second, or rather, the Steinsgate Zero opening compared to the original Steinsgate opening. I just felt like it was a lot more symbolic and abstract and just visually interesting in the Steinsgate opening. And then in the Steinsgate Zero opening, I felt it was a little bit more grounded. You know, it was a lot less going on, a lot... Um, it didn't feel as inscrutable, which normally wouldn't be a great thing to be inscrutable, but I felt like it fit the show. And I actually think that the ending credits of Steins Gate Zero might fit the bill a little bit better. Yeah, you really like the fact that Steins Gate allows for so much ambiguity and, I guess, flexibility in the interpretation of the openings. I mean, the the thing that the first Steins Gate opening did really, really well was change itself to change the meaning of what was going on because as time got wibbly-wobbly, the opening got kind of wibbly-wobbly. Um, but, it, I mean, it's very conceptual, very abstract. I do think that this new opening for Zero is a lot less of that, but I also think that there is still so much emotional weight. I think it's going to take a different route, so I'm not upset that it's not as abstracted. But you really like the abstractions for this show. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's a very cerebral show. It's not always the hardest of sci-fis, but it manages to dig into the things that Okabear is experiencing in a very interesting way. Like, I think that... Uh, do we want to do a brief synopsis of this episode? Yeah. Um, to review what happened, I guess, because we didn't really do a good synopsis last week... Uh, of it, so we're gonna. We'll, we'll probably have to assume that they've seen Steins Gate because there's a lot of right. things to unpack. Right, but so from the last episode, we end with him in a lecture hall where they're going to announce this Amadeus program that is theoretically an AI that can download where you could have downloaded the memories of people and then have them interact with you like they are the person at that moment in time. Yeah, a snapshot. And which, that, I mean, this starts to freak Okabe out at the end of the last episode because he knows that Krisu is working on this. And so this episode starts off with them actually doing this presentation. They do they show a version of the tiny girl, not a girl, she's a full-grown woman, but she's not Maho. really grown, Maho. Um, they show her as an AI, and she kind of demonstrates the technology there. And... People are skeptical, and Okabe stands up and defends her. Later, they talk some more. She, He reveals that he knew Krisu, even though we're not really sure what the deal is. Like, clearly they never actually met each other in this timeline, but he obviously remembers her. So, it's this weird moment. And then they invite, and then this girl, Maho, and her supervisor, I guess, like the main professor, like the scientist on this project, invite him, who's American, by the way, and his... Um, English is almost the worst because when Okabe does English, it's even worse and it's, it's too funny. It, that's the problem with it. It was pretty <laughs> funny how they portrayed him as being culturally insensitive, which is not something I've really seen too much of. And I got a kick out of, of, you know, he's fighting, uh, uh Okabe is fighting with Maho and, uh, this professor comes up and in broken Japanese says, oh, are you having a... A Japan a quarrel with your. You're having a Japanese quarrel. You need to like 
You should give her a traditional Japanese bow. Yeah. Of just like, what are you talking about, sir? It was pretty funny. But like, yeah, just they try to make it seem like they're fluent in English. And it's just like, no, you need you need better English speakers, Japan. You try so hard. And then Okabe is speaking back to him in English. But like, you're very, but he's supposed to be speaking in English. Yeah. It's like, Okabe's supposed to be not saying English correctly, but like this American professor should be, and it's just, it's so bad. It's it's very funny. But anyway, they invite him to come to their lab after speaking with him at the lecture, and he gets to actually talk to A.I. Kurisu from theoretically before they would have met even in the correct timeline. And he talks with her. You could see his, like, um kind of subdued personality start to break down when he's in the same room as like a, a person or an AI of Kurisu talking back at him, which is fascinating to watch. And then somehow they let him get access to the system so that even Kurisu can call him on his phone now. AI Kurisu can call him. And like through these phone calls, he can see that like she's really the same. And you also see through flashbacks how differently she acted with Okabe than with everyone else in her life. So it's really fascinating to see these different facets of her personality. She almost becomes more person, even though she's not a person anymore. She's dead. And you could see how torn up Okabe is. And the whole time I'm yelling at the screen like, God damn it, this isn't going to help you. This isn't going to help you get over her, Okabe. Don't do this to yourself. It's so sad. It does, it is, it is sad, but it, it, it does create an interesting opportunity to, you know, explore some cool places with grief and what makes a person a person versus what is an, uh, an artificial intelligence. I, it, I'm impressed that a show that succeeded in its first season by combining high concept sci-fi stuff, even if it's softer sci-fi stuff, with... Uh, the emotional impact that it has on these people, I'm impressed that they were able to add another high-concept premise uh, pretty seamlessly. So I, I actually think this could go some very cool places. Yeah, I was really interested because when he was do when he asked when, one of the first questions he asks AI Kurisu is um, like, "What do you think about time travel?" And they juxtapose her answer with the answer that she gives in the original show the answer she gives now is like well it's pro it's pretty improbable but like it's not impossible versus in the original time you see her she's like time travel's stupid and it's not real and it can't happen so at that point i was like is this is he is he gonna not fall for it you know what i mean i thought is he gonna be like this can't be krisu because of that but no, he continues. He continues to like fall for this AI mm -hmm. all over again, and I'm just like, it's so sad. And you could see, poor fucking Mayushi is all like, oh, I just want you to be happy, but you're not happy, and you're not. This isn't good for you, sort of thing. But um, we have some theories about the AI and what it could mean for this potential um, apocalypse scenario. Yeah, I think that this could go some really cool places, also because. If they are basing a premise on the idea that you can create essentially a data version of a person at a given time, we already know from the first season that there's ways to transfer data between different, uh, in this show they're called world lines, essentially versions of history. And 
if there was a way, I mean, in that they're only able to send like partial text messages. Uh, but if they were able to get to a point where they could send the amount of data you need to store a person, you know, that could both be the way that World War Three happens in this show, but it could also be a very interesting plot device. Now, this is all coming from someone who I have not played Steins Gate Zero, neither has Steph. Um, so there could end up being differences between the show and the game because the game obviously has multiple ways that it can pan out. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see where this is going to go. And the whole point is that, you know, um, timeline A, she doesn't die and it prevents World War Three from happening, yeah. right? So what happened, I mean, and theoretically, because she's dead in this timeline, World War Three happens. So the big question to me is, is Biokabe talking to her, is this preventing that potential outcome or is this allowing that potential outcome to happen? Because theoretically, by her dying, they would never have met other than the fact that he did it via time travel. So if they'd never met and none of this was ever discussed, would that have gone down a different route? Is he already creating a sea line? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty confident, prediction-wise, that the Kurisu AI is going to play a big role in this conflict, this this apocalypse. Because, as you recall, uh, Suzuha, when you're first introduced to her, the, the uh, time-traveling girl in Season 1 who came back from this ruined future, when she sees Kurisu, she registers that Kurisu as like a bad guy who was part of the problem. Uh, and it's possible that what she's thinking of is AI Karisu, who she maybe didn't realize was an AI. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with this. Yeah. So, oh boy, it's very heavy, very dark. So moving on to happier things, I think we did Shokugeki no Soma next. Okay. Uh, so we have started the... Trainament arc. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong though because we've discovered that the premise of their advancement exams basically whether they can be going from first year to second year relies on this elaborate plan to take them through Hokkaido and travel through the whole island cooking along the way and if they don't make it they get flown back home and immediately expelled this whole thing is supposed to be a scheme from uh, the new evil bad guy school man, I don't know, the new the headmaster, headmaster of the school, who is, um, I keep calling her Kirino. She's not Kirino. Oh, no. Not Kiri. <laughs> not Kiri's father, who thinks cooking can only be one way. And all these, all of our main characters are like, no, cooking can be done in lots of ways and be really good. It doesn't have to only be one way. So they all get to Hokkaido and they get their first test and they're divided into groups. They're all very clearly labeled into rebels and non-rebels and they're given a task and they are all given a disadvantage. Um, but we know that um, Nakiri has been, I mean, Erina has been training them and giving them extra lessons so that they will know what to do in these kinds of situations. So they're given an impossible task, 
they overcome it, and it's great fun. We learn about salmon, uh, <laughs> and then they're going to get on a train. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think highs and lows of this episode, um, I'm really starting to ship uh, Soma and Nakiri. The ship has sailed! Because she's finally opening up to him a little bit now that she knows, you know, he has this strong connection to her past via his father being her, like, personal chef as a kid. Um, and there was a, there was a cute scene on the, on the train with them looking out on the stars that someone says look like fish eggs. And, uh, he's just generally a doofus. And most importantly, he's still himself, which is, I think, an important part of any good ship is, you know, he's not suddenly Casablanca and she's not suddenly falling all over him. They are still both very much true to their characters. It's just by the events, it's becoming more believable that they would fall for each other. Yeah, like the line that she says is, at one point in time, his face and his voice, like, I hated them and they bothered me, but now, like, it's not so bad. And it's a very, it's a very hard thing to say because it's not like, oh, he's changed so much. It's just, I'm seeing him differently. And she's still herself. She d hasn't become demure or, like, lets him walk all over her. Like, their relationship is strengthened because he showed her that she has the strength to be more than what her father told her she could be. So, like, by him, like, they worked as a team, right? They're kind of, she still is like, you still have to take these lessons that everyone else is, even though he thinks, yeah, I can just get out of it. And she's like, no, 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 you're not exempt. But, you know, they sit together in a train car, and he's like, yeah, they look like fish eggs. She's like, you're, you're, you're ridiculous. And he's like, what? I think she's like, can't you just appreciate nature? But like, so they have these little, very believable interactions, which are just really nice. And I think that they're going to be able to play well off each other and they'll make an interesting couple, I think. I ship it. I ship it really hard. And like, they, all, they haven't changed and I love it. Oh, it's so good. Also, everyone coming by on the train to like give her things to help her relax. She And she doesn't understand, like, why would you do that? Like, you need to do, do your own thing. And someone's like, they like you. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just so cute. And um, so, yeah, I like the challenge. The challenge is good. I actually felt that that was one of the lower points in the episode, uh, just because I felt like this setup for the disadvantage that they had was a very solid setup in terms of they were given bad ingredients and they were also, they were not invited to these special lessons where they learned exactly how to do whatever they needed to do. The fact that they were able to succeed in spite of that felt a little bit deus ex machina because yes, they knew via Alice that there was a different place they could look to get fish. But first of all, that happens off screen. And second of all, she was describing what sounded like a pretty involved process. And then just by coincidence, someone near the place where they held this contest was using that exact method and had it in stock and sold it to them. And it just felt like a little bit more of a stretch than normal. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun. I like that, like, I've learned now about that salmon are good at different times and that there is a method to keep them... Like, I, th I thought the freezing thing was cool to learn about. Like, that's, Yeah, that's fair. That's part of what I really like about Soma is that... It's not just about, like, what can the characters do, but also is there cool shit that I can learn about the situation? Sure. That, like, 
now I know about this kind of salmon that's just apparently the best. I also like how cartoonishly villainous the teacher was. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing is she was very cartoonishly villainous, but like at the end of the day, she could just flunk them and that would be that. And she, I feel like we don't really get enough as to why she didn't. She was so blown away by how good it was. She couldn't put it in her heart to fail them. And like, they've done that before and I get it, but I'm really hoping that's not like, presumably there are going to be a lot of challenges in this. I'm just hoping that it's not every fight ending that way. But like, I mean, to be fair, if it's about the flavor and if it's about proving that this flavor is better... Like, obviously, you can always just shut it down by being closed-minded, but the point is they're trying to open up the minds of these people. That's fair. That's a good so point. So if they try it and they're so overcome and they're like, we can't flunk you because your flavor was so good, then that feels like a success rather than like, oh, it's just like, they did it again. They blew them away with their taste. Like, that's sure. the point. Fair enough. The point is that it tastes that good. So I wasn't upset by it. I just thought she was so funny because I was like, wow, you're going to get served. I'm really curious because, like, in this time they gave them bad ingredients and they found better ones or figured out how to use it in a quick amount of time. I'm curious to see what the next challenge is. But now they're on a train and they all get to hang out. And there's just I want to go on this train. There's a fucking spa on that train yep. and there's snow outside. Like I'm, I'm hyped. I'm hyped to see what else I can learn because I feel like we're like that's when. You get these fun tricks is when they're given impossible scenarios. Like, oh no, our meat got messed up. So now we have to, to re-tenderize a whole thing. Like, what are we going to do? Ah, honey. Oh no, we were given shitty fish. What do we do? We can't go catch new fish. All the fish in the markets is gone. Well, except for this kind of fish that you didn't even think about banning from us. So I was kind of thrilled by that. And I'm excited to see what else happens. We had already seen the openings and endings for that. Yes. Yeah. So they were good. They're good. They're action-y. They're Soma-y. They're full of hope and joy and... Trains. Trains. <laughs> it's called the train arc. I can't. I can't. Um. So then the last show that we're going to talk about today is My Hero Academia. And it's going to be another... Can you get? Can you make it through this hellhole so that you can move on with your schooling yep. sort of nonsense? Uh, we are introduced to some ridiculous cat-themed superheroes where ah! I'm really completely unclear on the association between their aesthetic and their powers because they appear to have some sort of forest-controlling powers <laughs> and earthbending, which is not necessarily what I think of when I think of cats. But, but they look like pop idol cats, which makes true. it even weirder. Also, I think the nice little tidbit in the episode is um, at the halfway point of every episode, you've got those cards that have like the... the Powers and the, stats? The, yeah, of the different characters. And so this week, they had Eraserhead. And what does he like? Cats! So yeah. that was that was kind of fun. Um, you meet a surly kid who's surly about superheroes because his parents died. Um, because they were superheroes... I liked your theory that this kid is going to end up being quirkless, and uh, I think that could be interesting because, you know, we actually have not seen, other than the media personalities, we haven't really seen too many quirkless characters after uh, the original Midoriya. I don't know. I don't recall that many people who were quirkless and who made a big deal about it. I think most people are not quirkless. Well, yeah, it's only 20% of who people. Who is the media personality? Uh, like the reporters? Are they quirkless? Or are they just not Oh, that's quirks? fair. 
Yeah. Most, it's, it seems like most of the people in the world have quirks. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's just gonna be like a this arc, like, this kid goes from, I hate all superheroes, to like, wow, when I grow up, I wanna be a hero, just like you, Midoriya. Like, I don't know if it'll do that, or if you'll find out he's quirkless. And I, I have no idea. Or he's happen. just in the League of Villains. Or he just becomes a villain with his... I mean, I feel like that would be counterintuitive. I feel like it He hates... just looks cool, and I always assume that someone who looks cool is a bad guy. Yeah. He's got a spiky hat. Oh, he knows that the League of Villains seems to know where the kids are anyway, despite the fact that they went to, like, a super secret location. So... Which could... If there ends up being a mole later, that would explain that. But, yeah, it's a little convenient. Yeah, it's like they specifically didn't tell anybody. How would anyone know? Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that just because they make such a point of saying, like, we told no one that, like, they will have to circle back on how they know. They just haven't told us yet. Yeah, but no villains doing anything specifically in this episode. Instead, you have the cat girls be like, make it to the end of the forest in three hours. Good luck. Meanwhile, they're like throwing golems and shit at them and they have to fight and they all emerge from the forest like way later. They're all exhausted. So now there's been a whole series of like <laughs> image sets of like, this is what I look like after I work out or whatever. And it's pretty good. But yeah, then they all have dinner and it's nice and they all have a bath and sticky ball boy gets... Gets attacked. Minetta. And Minetta gets hit in the face. Attacked is a strong word. He was trying to climb over the dividing wall in the hot springs, and he got dunked on. But yeah, so it's a hot spring. Now we've gotten the 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 beach episode equivalent, where we got to see all the girls mostly naked. So there we go. But um, yeah, then you learn about him, and that's kind of the end of it. And they say, oh, here's where it actually starts. It's gonna be worse tomorrow. Um, it was cool to watch them all work together as a team. Uh, all the kids fighting this forest things. It was like, you do reconnaissance, you do, you're the brute force, you get the forest to help. Like, they use everyone's strengths to help work together as one big team, which is really good to see. Of course, our main boys, Midoriya and Bakugo and Todoroki and was it Ida? They all show up at I the end so, yeah. first. Because they're just better than everyone else, apparently. But I am glad that... Because um, when I saw the challenge originally, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's a lot. But I, I did feel like there were going to be some people with powers that would just kind of let them peel off and like finish it in ten minutes. But they didn't. They and worked together. And they actually together. worked as a team, which, is, which was nice. It was very nice. So I was happy. And I hope that they can continue to do that and they don't have to fight each other because can they just not... But they're all going to get a lot stronger, or claims Eraserhead, their teacher. That would be cool. I want to yeah. see what cool powers they develop and get super cool. Yeah, we've seen Midoriya level up quite a few times and get cool new moves. And uh, f particularly after the tournament arc gave us a really good introduction to like what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are, it'd be cool to kind of kick that up a notch. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. We had already seen the opening for that one, too. Yep. That's no, fine. Again, action. Yeah. I will stand by that I think this is the new Naruto of this decade. Which I would be super okay with. I will watch this indefinitely. Oh, for now. You watch this indefinitely for now. That's true. Until we get to filler arcs, then you won't feel that way. But no, I think it's like Naruto because you got this main character who came from a background that, you know, wasn't ideal 
becoming, I mean, because you know through his voiceovers that he becomes like the most powerful hero. Um, and he's got friendships and frenemies. I mean, Bakugo is like an overexcited Sasuke, basically. Um, but you've also got this huge cast of other students and teachers and stuff and enemies. You've got this whole league, which just, I could name an example in Naruto that directly correlates. Yeah, I can name a counterpart for every unit in, uh, My Hero Academia. And it's just like, okay, where are we going how I hope I hope that we don't go into the filler episode nonsense because that would just make me sad. Yeah. But I don't. I'm excited to see what happens with the, when the League of Villains shows up. Because I mean, we've been told that the reason why they're in this crazy training camp right now and why it's going to be even worse is because they want them to start being able to work as rookie heroes, even in school, because they're being attacked by villains even now. So by them being able to get licenses that allow them to use their quirks outside of school, they'll be able to protect themselves and protect other people. So I'm excited about that, that it seems like there's a, sh a shift in this world that's happening that we are witnessing. So that's cool. Yeah. Is there anything else? I think that covers it for me. So, yeah, that was our discussion of those shows for this week. And once the next episodes come out we will talk about those meanwhile we are finishing up nino kuni which is the video game by studio ghibli uh just in time to get reacquainted with uh fighting crime dad with fighting comma crime dad in yakuza 6 neither of those are anime but they feel like it they're basically anime i mean yakuza started off yakuza 6 started off with like literally a 40 minute cutscene. yep if not longer so it's like an anime. Uh, so yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. We're going to get pumped for episode threes. And yeah, I hope you will too. So Ben, thank you for joining me today. Yep. And how should we follow you on the internet? You can follow me uh, at Open World IRL on Twitter. And... Not really anything else. Not, not really nope. anything else. And you can follow me. I've been your host this episode. I'm Stephanie. You can follow me on Twitter at StephUpTheGame. And you should definitely also follow the Nerds List on Twitter and the Facebook page for the Nerds List because links to our shows go there also. And it's a great network full of other shows such as Games Nation, which is all about gaming. So if you like them games, which I know you do, Ben. That's true. You should go and listen to their shows also. And for this show, you should review us, rate us, like us, comment on our tweets and Facebook posts because we want to interact with you. And please love us. So I think we're going to sign off. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to World of Anime. Oyasumi! Oh,